Amen. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 13. If you're there with me, would you say amen? The Bible says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He had said here, this one thing I do. And here Paul tells us, as I said, I know for many you're familiar with this particular passage. But we see some things that Paul is challenging the church with in these regards. And uh, tonight, if I can, for just a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, whatever you do... Don't, and we're going to be filling in some blanks. Have you ever said something like that to your children? Whatever you do, don't do, and then you can put it in. It's kind of like when, you know, you've, you've got something on your hands and somebody says, whatever you do, do not touch your face. Have you ever been at a point you never wanted to touch your face so bad in all your life until you've been told, whatever you do, don't do that. And, uh, but with the Lord's help, we're going to look at this tonight. Whatever you do, don't. And we're going to fill the blanks in on this. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you once again for your faithfulness. I give you praise tonight for your word. I pray your anointing. Lord, as we know that your word is sharp and powerful. Lord, I pray tonight that you would touch every heart, every life. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive and understand, my mind and lips to preach. I ask, Lord, always hide me behind the cross. And Lord, we want you to be seen and you to be heard. And Father, meet with us tonight in these altars, I do pray. We thank you tonight and we ask it in Jesus' name. And the church would say, amen and amen. You can be seated this evening. Whatever you do, don't. And we're going to look at some things that I believe that Paul was challenging, amen, the church in regards uh, to what are the things that must be focused on and what are the things that uh, as a charge, if you will, to focus on and to do certain things, uh, then it comes in the fact of as we do these things, we do not do this and uh, or we do not lend ourselves to these particular things and so as we look at this tonight I want you to understand that Paul here in the earlier verses of this text he is talking about the fact that he has been apprehended by Christ he tells if you will and shares of testimony of the fact of the way that God had gloriously saved him and he had been apprehended uh, by Christ and for Christ's sake we find that Paul had 
made the declaration that he at one time had lended himself. In other words, he had said, I gave my members uh, uh, as a slave or a servant, he said, I was, uh, of unrighteousness. He said, but now, he said, I am a servant unto righteousness. Paul, in his radical conversion, we understand and know you, many of you familiar with the things that happened to Paul. Who he was as Saul. Very zealous, very knowledgeable about the law of God. And actually had felt that his actions were justified by way and reason of enforcing the law of God. As a matter of fact, Paul said concerning the law, he said, I was very zealous. As a matter of fact, he thought he was doing justice, if you will, to completely try to eliminate uh, the Christians and and uh, this man called Jesus. It, I mean, as far as he was concerned, it was just a problem. It was an issue, and we see that Paul had persecuted the church. Uh, there were many things uh, uh, that had taken place, but we know and we read about his miraculous conversion on the road to Damascus. As a matter of fact, uh, he was on his way to cause more destruction. He was on his way to cause uh, uh, more problem for the church and we find that Christ met him on that road and began to call him by name. I love in reading that story as to where the first things that Christ said to him was Saul Saul. Amen. I know there was many other things that was said in that. He asked him he said why persecutest thou me? But brother Segura the first thing that impressed my heart about that testimony is he called him by name. Amen. Are you glad tonight for the fact, amen, that God knows exactly who we are and right where we are in every place and situation we find ourselves in? I'm so glad in the fact the love of God that reaches to us. Christ reached out to Saul that day and he said, Saul, I'm going to apprehend you. I'm going to get your attention. I'm going to change your life and he said I'm going to change you in such a way he said that no longer will you be called Saul but I'm going to call you Paul as a result what that testified of sister Gloria is this was a change of character it was a change that happened in the deepest parts and places of his life oh as he was apprehended to cry for Christ as the love of God constrained him as a love and Paul is saying here in this text if you read in the, these verses he says I've been apprehended by him and he said and I'm pursuing after him as a matter of fact the word of God said his desire was he said that I may know him he said in all of my searching and all that I've done and everywhere that I've been and everything that I've accomplished and I can it, it's a testimony of the fact of what Paul's life became oh as a man of God he was a, an evangelist a missionary reaching to the Gentile nation and the Jews alike amen as God used him as he had uh, as he had written if you look uh, he had written over half of the New Testament Paul did tremendous things and this man sister Mary that if he wanted to tout and tote and dote over his spiritual resume he probably 
probably could have but he didn't he was a man who also said I will tell you this he said I was the cheapest of sinners he knew if it had not been for the Lord who had reached down and saved him oh that destruction would have been his end he said I've been apprehended by him but he said here's what I'm trying to do he said I have not already apprehended he said but I am seeking I am pressing I am pursuing I want to know him I want to experience him can I tell you tonight church is that no matter how long we've been saved no matter how many positions you've ever held no matter all the preachers you've ever listened to no matter how sanctified you might be I want to remind us tonight that every single day is another opportunity that if we're going to do anything for God if we're going to serve him Lord let me press and pursue and seek your face I've been apprehended I've been born again I've been radically saved and as a result I'm giving all that I have to give unto Christ that I might attain him in the end hallelujah that I might grab a hold that I might apprehend him he said in these things he said this is my end goal this is what I'm living for this is what I'm pursuing he said as a matter of fact he said this one thing I do And that's where tonight I want to say to you, whatever you do, here's what I also believe Paul was saying in the sense when he was giving instruction in this thing that he does. He was sharing a personal uh, conviction and testimony. He said, but this one thing I do, he said, forgetting those things which are behind. And if I can say this, is that whatever you do, Don't be bound to your past. Amen. Whatever you do, do not be bound to your past. Now, and, and if I can, I had put there in, uh, in parentheses, just for my own personal note, I had put whatever you do, don't get distracted. Amen. Don't get distracted. Paul said, I am making a conscious decision. He said that I forget the things which are behind me. Amen. Can I say tonight is that when we take a look at the church as a whole, when we take a look at the body of Christ, there are many of us we can testify and say, well, Brother Jake, the Lord, he delivered me from such and such and this and that. There are some of us we can say I haven't been around that I haven't been I haven't been engulfed or consumed by some of those things in a long time to where tangibly you haven't got a hold of it or to where your person yourself you haven't been at places or you've stayed away from things as God has done the work and that's a wonderful testimony but sometimes brother Chad the sad thing is and the problem is is that even if there are not things that are ensnaring us 
us physically. Well, I said this morning that one of the great battlegrounds that we find ourselves in, Brother Udy, is a battle of the mind. And there are times that we find ourselves as to where we are distracted. We find ourselves consumed with thoughts. We find ourselves consumed and our thoughts affect our emotions and our thoughts affect our heart. And when, when these things, it's, it's, it's what we begin to be thinking about and coming and, 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 and pondering on. And the truth of the matter is, is that even though there are certain things that in the physical you stay away from and they have not had you in a long time, I can assure you that everybody in this building, to some degree or another, there is a mental battle. There is a struggle. I've told you before, the enemy does not fight fair. He loves to drag your past up. He loves to condemn you. He loves for you to be in a point in a place for you to think that you are not qualified to where God cannot use you, to where you are limited. If there's a problem that we see in the church, is that I want you to notice something that Christ said. Christ said this. He said he did not say pray for the harvest. He already knew, Sister Torbert, the harvest was there because the Word of God said, he said, look unto the fields that are white and ready to harvest. But this is what he did say, Brother Danny. He said, pray for laborers for the harvest. Can I say tonight that I think one of the ways as to where the church has been attacked is the fact that we can fill up buildings. We can have programs. We can feed this. We can sing this. We can preach it. We can have this meeting. Bring in this preacher. Do all these things. But the problem is is that we've got too many laborers. Laborers that can be used, should be used, should have their hand to something and they're sitting on a pew. They are paralyzed by their past. They are paralyzed by fear. They are paralyzed by anxiety. And there is someone sitting in the very building tonight and your thought is that is someone else's job, not mine. Amen, Brother Jake. That's good preaching. Thank you. I think I'll preach on. Amen. So why do we find ourselves in this dilemma? Because we have adopted an ideology in the fact that my life, my problems, my pain, my situations, you will hear it. It'll run over in your mind like a record player and it'll play the same sad song over and over again. It'll beat you down. It'll get you to a point and place to where you're always looking and thinking it's somebody else. Somebody else to serve. Somebody else to worship. Somebody else to be used. Can I tell you tonight, I I want you to know that in a church it should not be hear your pastor tonight it should not be that the gifts of the spirit being an operation should hinge upon two or three of the same folks in a service I'm thankful for those that will be obedient but there are some you've been there when the spirit of God's been moving on you and you hesitate to move you hesitate to obey because there's things that's weighing you're afraid of getting it wrong 
You're afraid of, well, I'm not qualified. Well, I can't. I could never help in this. I could never serve in this capacity. I know that there are scars. I know there's consequences for bad decisions. But Paul said, listen, this was a man who could have Sister Torbert sat down and said, I'm completely unusable. Can you, you cannot convince me, Brother Segura, that there were nights that Paul didn't sit straight up in the middle of the bed, soaked in sweat, and he could hear the screams and the cries of the men and women that he killed, that he threw in prison, that he took to be tortured, that he took to be torn apart by animals in Colosseums as he was a persecutor. You cannot convince me that Paul didn't have those things that visited him in his mind. Hear me. And if there was anybody who could have sat and argued and said, I can't, I can't do it. Lord, you've called the wrong man. Lord, don't you know, you know what kind of mess I am. You know what was going on. You know who I am. And yet, God, this is the power, the power of redemption. This is the power of the blood of Jesus. This is the power of what happens when God apprehends somebody. Oh, can I tell you tonight is that there is the capacity. The Word of God tells us that who is like unto our God, who is so merciful that He takes our sins and He casts them into the depths of the sea to be remembered no more. Oh, Paul was also the one that penned the words. And I can't help but think he shouted a little bit when he wrote him and he wrote out, he said, There is therefore now no condemnation because here is a man that battled with his past. Battled, fought it, thought of it. And I can imagine probably Sister Brenda about the time he was getting ready to address another church. Getting ready to go on another missions trip. Getting ready to preach another message. Getting ready to write another epistle. You can't convince me that that enemy didn't try to set in and take residence in his mind. Come on here. So Paul said... This one thing I do. And so I present to you tonight, whatever you do, don't be distracted by yesterday. Don't be distracted. Don't let your past set the tone. Oh, don't let it. I was talking the other night. Several of us went to get a bite of pizza after church. And Brother Eddie was sitting there. We was talking about some things. And many know Brother Eddie's testimony and different uh, significant parts of his testimony. And we were talking about addiction. And talking about uh, things that uh, oftentimes are required. And, uh, and I, I was asking him questions about... Uh, some of the meetings and things that he has had to go to as a result of requirement to do so. And, uh, and he said, you know, he said, some of these meetings, he said, it's not the fact that they're terribly bad or wrong. He said, there are some that are built upon biblical concepts. He said, but they get away from the fact they will not exclusively talk about God or Christ, but they might reference higher powers or whatever the case might be. 
And I looked at him across the table and I said, one of the issues that I have with some of these groups is that when you go in, you have to announce yourself. You introduce yourself. In an instance, Eddie might say, my name is Eddie Johnson and I am an addict. And I said, what breaks my heart is the fact, Brother Eddie, you're not an addict anymore. Oh, can I tell somebody in this house? Oh, you hear what I'm trying to say? Whatever you do, don't you be distracted by your past. The program might try to say it. The world might try to say it. But we serve a God who says that's who you were. But that's not who you are anymore. You've been redeemed. You've been born again. You've been set free. Did you know the enemy loves to pull up a stool at your table? And he'll say, go ahead and introduce yourself. You see, because the truth of the matter is, everybody in here could say, I am Kelsey and I. I am Laura and I. I am Haley and I. I am Amy and I. I am Udy and I. I am Keith and I. We all could attach something. And Paul, if every time he did that, listen, if you remember when he had been born again and God was sending him out, we find as to where the man of God goes. God speaks to the man of God, says, I want you to go down and see Saul of Tarsus. Said, I have, I'm paraphrasing, said, I've changed him and said, I want you to go lay hands on him and if you remember there was a lot of murmuring amongst the Jews the Jews in the church the New Testament church what in the world are you talking about what in the world are you doing you see the truth is if it's not the enemy who will try to bind you and distract you with your past there will be some people who never want to let you escape it either there will, there will be some people who will never let you escape it. And do you know why I can say that? Because there are some people, you will not let them escape their past. What do you mean, Brother Jake? Because some of you still holding grudges about things done to you and said to you that's been years old. Amen. Thank you, Brother Wesley. Everybody ain't going to shout on that. But I'm going to tell you, I know that we can have the tendency to do that. I know that we can let people do that to us. And that happens to us because we in the same right, we do it to others. Watch that one. Keep an eye on that one. Be careful of that one. You don't know what kind of person this one was. Be careful about that one. I've heard it all. One of the things that I've, and I, I can say with clear conscience, I can say very well when we're coming into victory, we were not bombarded with people saying, oh, watch out for this one, watch out for that one. Nobody did that to us. But one of the things I never could really stand is you go in somewhere, you go in to minister, and we have, we pastored, we've evangelized, we've been in all kinds of places, and somebody say, hey, there's this one, there's that one, there's this you, there's that issue, and, and they're trying to formulate for you to formulate an opinion about somebody before you ever get a chance can I tell you be careful about holding the past hostage over somebody because the truth of the matter is is that if you can't move past that point for them that's probably a good indicator of why you can't move past your points of your past and being distracted being distracted does the word of God caution us to be careful? Absolutely. 
Does the Bible caution us to judge men by the fruit they bear? Absolutely. Does God tell us in his word to mark those that cause division? Absolutely. There are constraints and there are things that are guideposts and guidelines in order that we are careful. Absolutely, I understand that. I understand you just can't throw everybody in a position. You can't just have everybody doing everything. There are some folks that they're at different stages and growing and learning. But here's what I will say is that the blood of Jesus qualifies. You hear what I'm saying tonight? The blood of Jesus qualifies. And let me say this. For some of you, it's going to take a real decision every day to forget the things behind you. To forget the things behind you. And it may not be sins. It may not be addictions. It may not be certain problems or things that was carrying on or happened in the family or within friendships, whatever the case might be. You see, there are some folks that are romanticizing and they have thoughts in regards of to maybe what could have been or what used to be. And here's what I mean by that. You see, there are some folks in the church that we never move ahead because we're always living in the good old days. probably didn't expect me to go this direction with it but I'm just going to tell you there are some folks that you're not partaking of what God wants to do right now because you are consumed with what happened back then never can get past it never can move move beyond it oh we love to talk about yesteryear don't get me wrong I love I've got books I've got books on revivals of the past. I've got books of preachers and great messages and all these things. And they are wonderful and they are absolutely encouraging and they stir and they and they they inspire me, Sister Laura. They help me. As a matter of fact, those testimony and those things, they help me in order that I might be able, amen, to, to keep to keep on the path, to keep uh, to keep uh, pursuing and pressing, Brother Eli. Here's what I do know is that we are not called to recreate something of yesterday. We can try. We could sing the same songs. We could preach the same message. We could have that. We could have it on the same date. We could be in the same building. And yes, he's the same God. But I want to tell you tonight is that there are too many who sit by service after service. You're not pressing. You're not pursuing. And sometimes it's because you are consumed with what happened in the years gone by. Friends, can I tell you, I thank God for that. But we are not called to live there. We cannot set up camp there. We are not building a church there. We are building a church today. And there's new faces, new problems, new devils, new situations. And therefore we need a move of God for this day, for this hour, in this moment. And it's going to have to be led by people who will be willing to say, I'm going to, you see, we think it's so harsh. There's some of you right now, you're offended by what I said. Because you say, well, Brother Jacob, do you cut that off? Are you not attached? Are you not emotional? Do you not have any conscience or heart or concern? Absolutely. I'll always give honor where honor is due. I'll always respect. I'll always appreciate. I'll tell you one thing. 
I'll tell you one thing right now, and it ain't because Sister Brenda's in the building, but I'll tell you right now, is that I do not get the benefit of being the pastor of this church without the labors and the sufferings and the prayers and the hardships of her father, of her husband, of Brother Charles, of these that had helped. Because let me tell you something. You never get to embrace success without somebody else's suffering. You never get to partake. And it's the same thing. If Jesus tarries and I go by the way of the grave and somebody else takes up this mantle, I will tell you this. There will be successes they can enjoy because of sufferings and tears and prayers and pains that we have invested, that we have labored. But I'll tell you this, Brother Clinton and Brother Turnage, none of these men, if they could look from heaven and talk to us tonight, they would say, do not live in yesteryear, but you keep pressing, you keep preaching, you keep praying, you keep worshiping, because the world today needs Christ. We need Him. So we move. Whatever you do, don't be distracted. Don't be paralyzed by the past. In one capacity or the other, do not be paralyzed by it. And whether you think you could ever serve, whether you think you could ever do anything for the kingdom, whether you think you could ever accomplish anything, or whether it's sentiments and emotions and rites and rituals, amen, these are things we've got to Safeguard, Paul said, because you see, Paul was dealing with the same things. He was dealing with traditions of the Jews. He was dealing with religious traditions. He said, we're trying to reach the world. We're trying to save the world. He said, and you guys are hung up over circumcision. You guys are hung up over feasts. You guys are hung up over this. He said, all of these things. And he said, he was trying to tell me, he said, nobody knows the law better than I do. He said, I was trained and taught. He said, I know it. He said, but I've got to tell you about what Christ can do. He said, we can cut away the flesh all day long. He said, but there's got to be a circumcision of the heart. There's got to be a cutting away at the heart. There's got to be a thing that transpires in the heart of a man. And he said, whether they're Jew or Gentile or vagabond or whatever their position in life might be. He said, bond or free, male or female, it doesn't matter. He said, but who so Ever, whosoever. So whatever you do, don't be bound by your past with the past. Don't rant, romanticize it so much that you never live in reality. That you're never living for today, for right now. If there's ever been a place or a group of people that opposes change so much, it's a church. It's a church. We hate change. We will talk all day long how we need it, but we resist it. We push against it. We fight it. And pastor is not saying this tonight because there's some big opposition against an idea or thought that I have. No, absolutely not. I thank God. Even if there's some of you, if you haven't agreed with everything that I've, every decision I've ever made. Number one, that's okay. That's healthy. I hate to burst your bubble. I'm not perfect. And so there's times I'm going to get it right, I'll hit a home run. Sometimes, Casey, I strike out. That's just part of the human element. But I am saying this because if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in that same position 
because we're not willing to forget what's behind so that we might move ahead. I want you to notice that Paul is saying this is something that has to be done. It has to be done in order for there to be success. Listen, whatever you do, don't quit moving forward. I want to say this. I first said don't be distracted, and so I want to remind you of this. Don't lose direction. Don't lose your direction. Understand, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 2 Peter 2 and 20, he said, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse than the beginning. In other words, Paul says if we lose our direction, if we, if we lose our direction and we get called up in these things again, he said Christ did not die to liberate you so that you go back. And he said here in Peter, Peter made the statement, he said, if you've escaped the pollutions, what does that mean? The sin and the wickedness of the world. He said, but if you go back, he said, once you've had the knowledge of the Lord and Savior and what he can do in your life, how he has set you free. He said, if you go back to those things, he said, glory. He said the the latter end of it all is going to be worse than it was in the beginning. In other words, you've got a greater price that you'll pay. You had knowledge. You know what to do. And can I say tonight, church, is that sometimes in the course of all that we're doing and all of our living and all of our responsibilities and all of our things, not only is it easy to get distracted, but it is easy to lose our direction. Because sometimes the direction that we're going, we are constantly veering off to take care of this thing and take care of that thing to accommodate our distractions. You get what I'm trying to say here tonight? We can lose sense of direction because we're stepping out of direction so we can accommodate our distractions. I want you to understand tonight, Paul said this. He said, if I am going to forget what's behind me. And he said, as he was speaking in regards to what he's going to do. He said, I am. He said, I am going to forget those things which are behind. And I'm going to reach forth unto the things which are before. (coughs) Excuse me. He is establishing direction. Can I say tonight. Is that if we are going to say goodbye to those things that distract, then we must set ourselves in position to do nothing else but move forward. Now, here's what I want you to understand tonight. I know we're not, I'm not running the pews and we're not swinging off chandeliers, but this is truth. This is good. This will help you. What you understand is that sometimes we get to a place as to where, okay, God has done this for me. God has saved me. God is working. God is doing some things. Now, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? How do I move from this point? And Brother Tobin, one of the things that, one of the simplest answers that I can give anybody is be willing just to take it a step at a time. Too many times 
We will lose direction because we are trying so hard to figure everything out that's ahead of us. And I want to tell somebody tonight, you cannot do that. Oh, I know you try. I know you give it your best effort. But you can't do it. The other day, I preach, when I preach, a lot of times, I'll re, I, you guys notice, I'll refer. And she's, she's such a good reference point. But I call her Sister Siri. <coughs> our, our map. She's just, you know, she's just a part of the family at this point. And uh, we, were, we were on a trip. We were, we, had, we were going to drop Ashland off. We were meeting my mom in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. And then from there we were going over to uh, Fort Worth because we were going to one of our best friend's birthday parties. And so we had a lot of traveling that day. And we were looking something up. And as I was looking it up on the, on the phone, on the GPS... I, what I tried to do, Brother Steve, is I, as I tried to uh, zoom, uh, uh, let's see, zoom out, I guess it was, so that I could see, you know, what was ahead. I said, well, maybe we'll be at this town, we can find this thing, whatever. Well, what I found was, is as I was tinkering with the direction, I really confused Sister Siri. Because, uh, because when I tried to get back, I mean, I knew where I was driving, but when I tried to get back to direction, it was taking a minute. She had to reroute herself. She had to think for because why I was playing with that map, zooming in and out, trying to get ahead of schedule. Come on here, to find out what's going on. Now listen, your pastor's preaching to himself because, brother Segur, there's a lot of times I am thinking. Way too far in advance. We love to use the terms as you've got to be a visionary. Doesn't that sound wonderful? It sounds superhuman. Super he is a real visionary, right? Oh, he can just see. He gets it. He can look and he can plan and he can do all those things, all that kind of stuff. Listen, there is a difference in being a visionary and losing direction. You see, somebody who is a good visionary, somebody who's praying and planning and preparing, does so within the confines of the direction that's in front of them at the moment. Somebody who's a real visionary is patient enough to know, we're not quite there yet, and so what I can do, we will take these steps because it moves us in the direction of where we're trying to get to. We oftentimes we get bent out of shape and we get and we get we get all discontent and we get nervous and we think God's not doing anything if we don't see this and we don't see that and this isn't happening and that's not happening. Listen, God is not affected by our opinions of how he works. He is not going to be held hostage by my doubt or your anxiety. He is not going to be held hostage and just not know what to do. He's not going to have to recalibrate himself or reroute himself over the fact because we're trying to figure out too much. Here's what I can say. We keep moving forward in the direction that God has called us to. I know this. Here's what I know. Look here. Are you watching? Okay. There's nothing glamorous about this. Okay? It's not macho. It's not uber spiritual. 
It is not fantastic. I am not going to get awards or celebrations. Are you ready? And then the next day, and then the next day, oh, there's some days I can run, cover a little more territory. There's some days I can't run. Come on here. There ain't no ticker tape parade for the guy doing that, is there? Ain't nobody writing books about the guy who's doing this. Ain't nobody, his name ain't on, on a marquee, somebody who's doing this. Let me tell you something. But actually, in reality, there are people who revere and respect and love and applaud and celebrate those who do. And here's why I'm saying this. is because in the moment, you can't tell by this. When Brother Clendenin was getting the burden for School of Christ and praying and spending hours, Sister Brenda, pouring his heart, hearing from God, writing out lessons, all of these things. Now, it's all over the globe. Now, everybody and their brother can quote Brother Clendenin. Now, everybody knows. Everybody has. Everybody in the church world just about has heard the message soldiers. Everybody, all these things. But there was a time, hear me, when nobody knew because why he was busy doing this come on ain't nobody shouting but I'm telling the truth he said I'm not there yet we're not there yet and there's some things that that school and that ministry is going to do and accomplish that he's not alive to see but yet it is a result of one step at a time there are some of you don't be discouraged because there are some places sister Gloria you may not be exactly where you want to be but you're sure not where you used to be and it's because of one step at a time there are some of us that were in some bad places we were messed up we were mixed up but by the grace of God we are not that anymore I will take one more step I will go another day in the direction that God has set before me I want to keep reaching going to keep pursuing I will not be distracted whatever you do don't be distracted whatever you do keep taking steps forward you've got a choice in this hear me too many times we come with the excuse well the devil made me do this and the devil made me do that and all well this thing came up and it made me no listen here's the truth I love you and I'm saying it for Jacob and I'm saying it for all of you. When these things come and we backtrack or we are sidestepping, it's because we have decided to do that. Say what you will, blame who you want, but it's because we lost direction. We lost direction. We lost our bearings. The last thing I want to say, whatever you do, don't quit pressing. Don't quit being determined. I want you to understand tonight, as I said, it seems as simple as a step, but I want to tell you, sometimes one step is very difficult. Because here's the truth, we've all heard the saying, if it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, everybody would do it. 
We are too comfortable with living mediocre. We are too comfortable with living subpar, substandard. We will make excuses. We will give our reasons. We will give our justifications, our qualifications. We'll give our doctor's reports. We will tell you all of the list of why. You can pull from the archives and you can lay out all your files and folders of everything and everyone. and every, Again, that's from the past. You've got to be willing to leave that alone. Because it's hindering you. It's hindering you. In the book of Hebrews, Paul is believed to be the writer of the book of Hebrews. And it says this. It says, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. He said, let us therefore... Run with patience the race that is set before us. He said, laying aside the weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. How do we do this? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. But I want you to notice, sometimes we don't catch what is being said in the rest of the text. But listen to this. It says this. This is said about Jesus. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Listen. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's what Paul goes on to say. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Let me pause here and say this. In other words, Brother Eli, Christ, if he wanted to, had every reason not to pursue. He had every reason. As a matter of fact, Brother Gary, we find in Gethsemane, Christ verified three times with the Father. If it is your will to let this cup pass from me. But he always followed with, nevertheless... Not my will, but thine be done. The word of God says here that he endured contradiction of sinners against himself. And he said this, unless you be weary and faint in your minds. In conclusion, I want to tell you that it is going to take us to be dedicated. I want you to notice in our text as to where he said this, I press Towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, everybody wants the prize. Everybody wants the prize. You talk to a rank sinner on the street, for the most part, most of them will tell you, if you just say, do you want to go to heaven? Most say, yes, I want to go to heaven. Most feel they have a right to heaven. They are owed heaven. They are entitled to heaven. I've heard the arguments like you have. A good God, a God that loves people, wouldn't send anybody to hell. Heard all those things. Can I tell you, one of the greatest tragedies, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail as a parent. One of the greatest tragedies in society today is the whole idea that everybody's a winner. If you're in that group, I'm sorry that I just offended you. Well, my baby, my baby deserves a medal too. He passed out juices and orange slices to his teammates. That's good. That's good. My baby deserves. We are consumed 
with the idea that everybody gets a prize. That everybody gets a trophy. That everybody gets recognized. And we've got people who are completely devastated, if not. We've got parents that lose their ever-loving minds if their baby does not get recognized for doing nothing. And we look around and we wonder why we see a generation of people who want something for nothing. You keep paying those taxes. We keep forking over taxes so that people can sit and they can video game and they can do their thing and they can do all this stuff on the backs of people who are willing to work, who still believe that, and I know this is a rabbit trail, but that work is honorable. That God commanded us to work. There's purpose in work. Amen. Let me tell you something. This is, this is something else. And I know, I, again, I, I keep, I'm not going to apologize anymore. I'm just going to say it. But this is, this is my opinion. When we look at God's word, if you think you get to go to heaven and you're on eternal vacation, I think you're going to be disappointed. The way that I look at the word of God, because, listen, Adam and Eve lived in utopia, perfection, before sin entered the world. But what did God command them to do, Brother Jerry? What did Adam do? Even before Eve came along, he tended that garden. He named animals. He worked that garden. Now, I believe it was with the benefits of the fact that we don't, he didn't suffer the things physically we suffer now. Amen. At that time, he didn't need a weed eater. Praise God. Come on. Brother Corey, he didn't need premium lawn service coming and spraying weed control. Come on here. Go and read it. Thorns and thistles and those types of things. That was a part of the curse of sin. Can I give you a little science lesson here for a minute? That was a part of the curse of sin. He worked. He had strength. He enjoyed it. He was able. He worked in a perfect environment, but nonetheless, he worked. There are some folks you think you want to float on clouds all day. Play harps all day. Enjoy that brand new, you're going to enjoy that incorruptible body. But Brother Danny, I believe we're going to be working. I believe we're going to be putting our hands to some things. I believe because the word of God says, John the Revelator said, I saw new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. A new heaven and a new earth. And I believe that we're going to be a part of those things at work. And so I'm saying all of that to get to this point. There has to be dedication and there has to be commitment to getting these things done. Listen, he said, unless you get weary, faint, tired, ready to throw in the towel, give it up, quit. He said, consider Christ. He said, Christ has never asked of us. I'm paraphrasing this, but you get the point from Scripture. In other words, you're not asked to endure or go through anything that Christ wasn't willing to do. He said, so be dedicated to it. Be dedicated to it. Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn, if you'd come. I want to challenge the church tonight. Can I tell you, we don't have many days left, I do believe. I, I just, we don't have many. I know we've been hearing that all of our lives. 
But you would have to be completely blind to look around at what's going on and think that we've just got forever ahead of us. We don't. We don't. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, leave distractions behind. I'm saying, keep moving in the right direction, even if it is as unglamorous as one step at a time. The truth is, is that each of those steps accumulates to miles. And those miles accumulate to victories and things that are accomplished as you keep moving forward. But be dedicated to it. I'm looking at a congregation that for the most part, these are mature believers in here. There should not be the fact that every other week, we've got to pray you back through. It should not be that every other week got to hunt you down. Where have you been at church? Where have you been? I, and don't get offended. I understand sickness. I understand work schedules. I understand those things. But just to be laying out. Just because. Well, I didn't feel like it. Well, I was this. Well, I was that. And if you're not careful... The enemy will provide you with many of the reasons to not be in church. If you haven't got it by now, your pastor still believes you ought to be faithful to the house of God. You ought to. Dedicated. Again, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have to spiritually resuscitate. Do we get tired? Do we get weary? Do we need the Lord's help? Do we need healing? Do we need strength? Absolutely. But I can need those things and still be determined. I can need those things and still have not backslid. I can need those things and still not have lost my testimony. I can still need those things and still not resign my position. Wouldn't you be, wouldn't it, wouldn't you be infuriated with me if every other week I showed up? I'm sorry, church, I'm resigning this week. It's been too hard. My feelings was hurt. This happened and that happened. Then the next week I came back. Well, okay, everything's good. I'm back at it. And then the next week, well, I, I tell you what, I'm sorry. We're just going to have to resign again. This church would be empty. Why? Because you'd say, that man's bipolar. He can't make up his mind for nothing. Come on. Brother Jake, you're preaching to the choir. We're here. We're here. Every... I know. But I'm going to tell you, as the day gets longer, it's going to get harder. You're going to have to get dedicated. Quit. Get dedicated. Be committed. Our heads bowed all over this house. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I know. I know very well this sermon, this service a little bit different than maybe how normally things might be, but I do believe that you have wanted to speak specifically to our hearts tonight. I don't know. I don't know who in this house maybe has been dealing with distractions. I don't know who has been dealing with direction. I don't know tonight who's been dealing with maybe a challenge to their determination, their dedication. 
But Lord, every one of us in this house, we are susceptible to these things. And our humanity, and our minds, and all of these things, Lord, I, I, I understand. I know, and I know that you understand us. But Lord, we can be of the mindset. We can make up our mind. We can be dedicated to the direction to the cause, to leaving distractions behind so that we can press. Because, Lord, we are trying to attain. We are trying to apprehend. We want to make heaven our home. And in the process, Lord, we want to bring as many people with us. But, Lord, we're not going to accomplish anything for the kingdom of God if we're distracted, if we're losing direction, if we lack determination. I pray God help us tonight. Whatever you do, don't be distracted. Whatever you do, don't lose your direction. Whatever you do, don't lose your determination. God help us, challenge us. Tonight, this altar call, I'm not singling out. I'm not asking for specifics because truth is, I believe every one of us in this house, every one of us in this house can respond to this tonight. To say, Lord, would you help me in one of these areas, two of these areas, three of these areas. Lord, I need your help. If that's us tonight, church, can we come find ourselves a place around these altars? Can we come and can we seek the Lord tonight? Can we come tonight? Would you call upon his name? Oh, maybe tonight. Maybe tonight there are some places. Oh, where there's been distraction. Maybe tonight there are some places. Oh, where maybe direction has been lost. Maybe there are some places where determination has waned. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need your help and we need your power. Oh, Lord, I've not been called to be entangled all over again. I've not been called to turn around and run. I've not been called to try to figure it out. But, Lord, one decision at a time. One step at a time. Lord, a determined heart and spirit. A determined heart and spirit. Oh, God. You called us to be faithful. I'm here to say that. Oh, we love you, Lamb of God. We love you. It doesn't matter what you've done, Jesus.